Hey friends, and welcome back to Health Simple Radio. This is episode number 39. We have Harpreet Rai on the show today. He's the CEO of Aura Ring. Now, if you've never heard of Aura Ring, it is a really cool company. They have designer or stylish type rings that are really cool looking, but they also are probably the most sophisticated tracking device on the market. They track everything from heart rate to heart rate variability, your sleep stages, to your body temperature and respiratory rate. They're absolutely amazing rings, and they help you to improve your sleep, to improve your recovery, uh, and many other things within health and wellness. Now, this episode, we're going to dive into how to actually improve your sleep, how to get better quality sleep and how to improve the way that you recover from training so that you can more efficiently and more effectively build muscle or lose weight or just improve your health, whatever it is that you want to do. Now, Harpreet was nice enough to provide a discount to the Aura Ring in case it's something you're interested in purchasing. He's giving $50 off for this ring, which is super awesome. Uh, just use the code HEALTHSIMPLE50. So that's health simple and then the numbers five zero. You can go to AuraRing.com to check out all the different types of rings and find the one that works best for you. I'll leave the link in the show notes below. But I highly recommend uh, checking out this ring. I've got one on the way right now and I'm going to be sharing how I use it and all the different things that I do with it through Instagram. Uh, but it is an amazing tool to help you optimize your sleep, your recovery, and your just overall health. So without further ado, enjoy this next episode. I studied electrical engineering in school. I did go to Michigan right here. You can see in this flag. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a proud, a proud Michigan alumni, even though this weekend was pretty painful. But uh, we'll, we'll get past it. Keep on growing. Um, I, I ended up actually, I had a bunch of student debt after college um, and decided to go actually on Wall Street. Um, you know, a lot of my friends were sort of doing it. And, you know, I was like, do I go work at GE or Intel or go work at Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley and get paid, you know, double? And at the time it was sort of the financial boom. So I decided to do it. Um, and, you know, the allure of money sort of as a kid growing up in New Jersey, also on the other side of the tunnel, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to go live in New York and be a big boy now. Um, you know, I did it, um, in my first year I did investment banking and it was terrible. Um, you know, I'm like 150 pounds and by the end of investment banking, I was like close to 190. I put on about, you know, almost a pound a week. Um, I was eating pretty clean. Like I'd always paid attention to diet and health, something I've like alongside of tech was like always been a passion of mine. Um, and, and performance as well as into soccer a lot as a kid, but, um, you know, I like was eating clean, but just kept putting on weight. And I was trying to figure out like what's going on. Uh, and, you know, I was sleeping three or four hours a night. And that's when I started to learn about sort of the powers of sleep, how much can affect things like weight loss, memory loss, um, you know, overall, just like skin appearance, mood, you know, literally the fountain of life um, is, is the more you learn about it, it's sort of scary how, how much it does for us. But um, I, I decided to stay on Wall Street. Um, I did go from sort of you know, investment banking to the investing side, uh, which was cool, but um, spent nine years, uh, you know, at a, at a hedge fund investing. But, you know, honestly, over time, I, I realized my passion was sort of health and performance, and then also technology. And 
you know, was able to join Aura and, um, you know, helped them sort of build out a bit more presence in the U.S. and, and grow the team over here as well. So, um, you know, I, I would say I definitely made the biggest trade of my life and, and, you know, I think put, you know, put sort of, I would say, my passions together and, and also helping people. Um, investing is fun. Making money is great. I, you know, I, I totally get why people do it. But at the end of the day, I sort of just felt a little bit emptier with it without a sense of mission. And so yeah. um, I think it was part of the troubles I went through and, and wanted to help other people sort of figure out how to improve their life as well. Was, was Oring one of the things that helped you to figure out that sleep was actually the issue or was that something you, you gathered beforehand? Um, I think I'd probably used every single wearable I could uh, that okay. was on the market or not even on the market. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I think once I realized how big a role sleep played for me, uh, I started just trying to find every different thing that I could. And um, actually the first Aura Ring, we had a Kickstarter back in 2015 and that's when I first saw it. And um, I also knew some of the advantages in the technology side because I studied electrical engineering in college and we'll get into it, but, you know, measuring your, your pulse on a finger being a much better place to do that than the wrist uh, and, and getting more accurate data. So I saw that, but um, luckily was able to connect with a team. I, I actually met uh, one of the co-founders at Whole Foods. Uh, so true story. Uh, and that's, that's sort of where it all started. But yeah, no, I, I would say my, my interest in sleep was pretty big before and it got even bigger after, after meeting the guys. Nice. Awesome. And I mean, sleep, like you said, it is, it is by far one of the most important things out there for our health. Um, but it's something that, you know, whether it's, we just don't care about it or just people don't realize how important it is. I don't know. Uh, but you know, with my clients that I have as a health coach, it's always the first thing that I go to because it, it impacts everything. It impacts the way that you eat. It impacts the way that, you know, you train in the gym. There's, there's so much to sleep that I think, you know, most people don't realize. And so that's why I was so excited to do this episode because I haven't had a talk about sleep yet on, on this podcast. So let's sort of dive into this a little bit, but what, why is sleep so beneficial? Why is this such an important thing that we need to start paying attention to? Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about this. And then uh, I do want to get back to sort of why so many people ignore it. Cause I, I think okay. there's a lot there too, but um, I, I think it's so beneficial um, that like we're still discovering the, everything that our body does during sleep. Um, you know, I would say some of the key things that we know about sleep are, you know, look at your physical body. A lot of people like to focus on performance. Well, half your testosterone is actually released in your sleep. And so there's been numerous studies showing this. Um, but, you know, one more recent where they had 20 subjects exposed to, you know, four hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep. And they actually show the free testosterone, the testosterone that goes into, you know, actually building muscle was reduced by over 50%. And the subjects that slept less than you know four hours, um, most of our muscle repair and muscle tissue repair, and even our growth hormone is all released during when we sleep. So, if you want to just think about the physical aspect first, uh, as a lot of people try to, um, you know, sort of basically your muscles won't repair or rebuild themselves if you're not sleeping. Um, and a lot of people, I think, are using different types of diets, different types of supplements to boost testosterone. Well, probably one of the easiest things you can do is actually get enough quality sleep and, and especially enough deep sleep. Um, that, that's a stage of sleep where most of your uh, muscle tissue and testosterone and growth hormone release happens. Uh, the second big thing I like to point people to is actually weight gain uh, and overall sort of fasting glucose levels and diet. Um, so, you know, I would say another thing that they found, a sort of similar scientific experiment, you know, they took, took a group of people and again exposed them to six hours and four hours of sleep versus eight. And what they found is two big hormones changed. 
um, these two hormones are called ghrelin and leptin. Uh, turns out ghrelin is actually, you know, responsible for your hunger hormone and leptin is sort of, you know, how full, how satiated you are. And, you know, as, as sort of you would expect or what was new science, but maybe now makes sense, um, your ghrelin actually goes up a ton, you know, up by upwards of 50% on four hours of sleep versus eight. Um, and same thing, your satiety, your leptin actually goes down. So your body actually, you know, if you're not sleeping, you crave more food. And then even when you eat that food, you actually aren't as full. And then, um, you know, data sort of, I would say scientists then, you know, don't know what, what's sort of the chicken or the egg, but it turns out also that your, your fasting insulin levels, or sorry, your fasting glucose levels tend to be higher. Your insulin response actually tends to be a lot lower. So it's sort of, you know, I would say sleep is where your body starts, right? If you want to think about sort of both the physical body and also now like, you know, some of the metabolism side, right? Some of the really interesting things happen and all our hormonal regulation, you know, seems to, seems to be that most of it's actually happening when we sleep. Um, mm -hmm. Those are some of just the, you know, probably two big areas I think people, people when they hear are sort of fascinated by. Um, some other ones tend to be, uh, if you think about actually just mental memory, um, there was an, and sort of brain performance and just productivity. A uh, really good study done, I think, in 98, um, where they had students hooked up to fMRI uh, and did math problems. And this one was actually really interesting because it was only six hours versus eight hours. And what they showed was that, like, the brain, you know, the brain sort of activity was more than 60% greater in the students when doing math problems after eight hours sleep versus six. Wow. Um, yeah. So now we got, all right, we got your body right? We got your digestion, right? We got your physical, your muscles, we got your digestion. Now we got your brain. Um, another thing we know about the brain is actually most of your memory consolidation happens when you sleep. Um, actually in REM sleep, your brain is playing things that happen during the day in 3x speed. So to me, that's fascinating. It's like, you know, how do you learn? Repetition, repetition, yeah. repetition. So that's, that's literally what your brain is doing during REM sleep. It's playing back stuff that happened during the day, you know, at an accelerated speed. So you can, you can help consolidate those memories. Um, and then, you know, one of the other ones I think that's new two years ago, uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, so it turns out that during sleep, actually your brain removes a lot of the toxins and inflammation that develops during the day. Um, so there's this plaque that forms, uh, I guess, you know, all the time during the day in our brain called beta amyloid. Um, turns out this plaque actually uh, is really highly present in people that have Alzheimer's. Uh, turns out the time that this plaque is actually removed from the brain is during deep sleep. So uh, researchers were able to sort of show the link with sort of lack of deep sleep and early onset of Alzheimer's. So, I mean, these are just some of the things that we know about sleep. Um, you know, so I think your question on sort of why do people ignore it? I, I think a little bit is first, is first this, like no one, a lot of us don't realize how important it is and how vital it is. And, and I think also from behavioral thing, it's sort of the thing we don't think about. We mm -hmm. think about that, taking that supplement. We think about eating that meal, whether it's keto or paleo or, you know, maybe even carb rich after a workout, right? Depending if you're trying to, you know, bulk or lean or whatever you may be. You know, we think about actually what type of workout should we do? A hit workout, a, you know, maybe lower intensity, something like a yoga exercise, right? Um, I think sleep just gets the back burner. People don't look at it as an active, you know, decision. But if you look at the benefits of it, I would say it actually outweighs um, a lot of the benefits, you know, if you had to choose one or the other, then a better diet and more exercise, or, or maybe, you know, we need to do all three, but, yeah. but yeah, sleep, sleep might be sort of the fundamental one to start with. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, there's so many benefits. And I think it was a podcast with you and, and Mike Mutzel that I listened to. And this is the part that blew me away is I forget which one of you guys said it, but you're basically like, if you took all the chemicals that, you know, you create in your brain while you're sleeping and put it into a pill form, it would be banned as a, uh, as a performance yeah, enhancing drug in professional sport. That's how powerful uh, sleep actually is for you. So uh, you know, super interesting thing that I heard. So I just wanted to make sure I shared that. Uh, yeah. But you're right. I think it is something that we just maybe don't realize or we just don't, it, it kind of sits on the back burner yet. It plays such an important role to every other piece of health as well, whether it's exercise or, you know, managing stress or nutrition. When you sleep well, you can do all of that so much better, right? And you're yeah. only as strong as your weakest link. Technically, that's a, the way I like to explain it when it comes to health because you really got to look at all the different areas, not just one. And sleep is just such an important one to, uh, to pay attention to. Now, yeah. I was going to ask you, like, you know, just as a health coach too, like, why do you think so many people like tend to ignore it? Or is it partly, I think partly it's awareness and also partly it's, it's an easy thing to sort of look aside, you know, not well, think yeah, exactly. Because so awareness is definitely a lot of it. I think it's something that just people don't realize at all. Uh, which, by the way, I'm reading the book uh, Circadian Code right now by Dr. Sachin Panda. Sachin I've, Panda yeah. yeah, I've almost finished it in like less than a week. It's an incredible <laughs> book. So if anyone wants to learn more, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about this podcast, but that book is awesome, too. Uh, so I think awareness is is a lot of it. And the other thing is like, it's so easy to not do, right? It's so easy yeah. to not uh, have sleep hygiene habits beforehand, right? It's, it's so much easier to sit on the couch and watch TV until the moment you want to go to bed. And well, that's going to affect your sleep. It's so easy to, to snack, you know, late at night just before you get into bed. And again, that affects your sleep. So yeah. I think it comes down to that um, for the most part. Now, yeah. so you talked about the, the difference between sleep with four hours and eight hours and then six hours and eight hours. Do we have a specific amount that we should be sleeping every single night? Is this something that everyone needs to be, you know, eight hours we hear? Is this actually true? Or can it be, can some people do all right off of six hours or off of, you know, five hours? Because you sometimes hear that, and especially in the biohacking world. Sure. So what does the research say there? Yeah, I mean, the research says most people should be sleeping close to eight hours, not all. Um, I mean, it looks like there's probably, you know, 10 to 15% of the population that might be able to get away with six. Um, okay. And I think, you know, some of the things that you, the hacks you learn from sort of the biohackers out there, I, I do think some of them work um, and, and have, you know, and frankly, it could be, you know, what I choose personally, this is just me personally, this is not a company statement, would I choose six hours of like, you know, really good quality sleep or just eight hours of average sleep? Like, yeah, I, I'd probably pick the six hours, but uh, frankly, like, that's sort of like saying, I don't know, would you choose... Uh, a crappy diet on some days and not to work out like work out 70% of the time on some days versus 50% you'd be like no I want to work out 100% uh, you know 100% as hard as I could and so I, I do feel like again we think about it from the shortcoming which, which would I choose we don't think about that with diet we don't think about that with exercise right um, and so you know I guess I, I would say I'd like to get eight hours of sleep and get great quality sleep but um, yeah, I think there has been certain cultural uh, developments just from an you know anthropology side where some hunter gatherers would actually get you know five or six hours throughout the night and sort of wake up pretty early and then you know actually take an earlier nap um, like either in the early sort of early afternoon or even late late morning um, that there's definitely been evidence gathered that that's how a lot of you know like 
uh, humans have developed over time. But I would say that the average person, you know, 80% of the time, if not 90% of the time, probably should be getting eight hours of quality sleep. Well, and I think the difference nowadays too is if we were to get up at night and then, you know, be up for a little bit and go have a nap like they used to back in the day, the problem is now we get up, we look at our phone, we answer emails, we turn on lights that are full of blue light, and that just kind of resets the circadian rhythm, right? So is it the exact same as what we used to do back in the day? Probably not unless you're someone who doesn't use electronic devices, which totally. I don't think that exists. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I think that's one of the things that also has led to, you know, if you rewind a hundred years or 50 years, right, without the internet, um, you know, we probably didn't have as much to do, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> before cell phones, it'd be like your friend showed up at the front door and you're like, no one asked, what are you doing here? It was like, oh, cool. He's here. Right. Um, uh, and so I think like our society is changing. Our lifestyle patterns are changing. You know, a lot of it has been developed by technology and there are some negative consequences. And, and one of the biggest ones is, is actually less sleep. Yeah. So can you sort of talk about the stages of sleep? Cause you talk about the quality. And so that's basically what that means is getting into to REM sleep for the most part or into your deepest sleep. Can you sort of touch on the stages and what, what kind of the difference is or what that means? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's probably three stages that people most often hear reference to. Um, and so there's sort of light sleep, REM sleep and deep sleep. Uh, and then there's, there's awake. Um, and so, um, you know, I think if you look at sort of how scientists have classified those stages, um, they're actually based upon um, your brain waves and how fast and how frequent those brain waves are moving. Um, so if you look at stages like deep sleep, which tend to be the slow, also called slow wave sleep, literally your waves in your brain are slowing down. Um, so those happen to be at a, at a, at a point when sort of your your sleep, you know, when your brain is like, you know, transmitting at sort of a frequency of call it anywhere from half a Hertz to four Hertz. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, if you look at sort of, you know, light, it, it goes up from there and then REM even goes even higher and then wake tends to be even higher frequencies than that. So that's, that's sort of how scientists decided to figure out how to classify these stages. Um, again, a, a lot of it I do think is new science. Um, I think there's a lot still being done in some of these, like, you know, I was talking about Alzheimer's and beta amyloids, that was just discovered two years ago. So it is a relatively new science. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to keep finding out new things. Um, from what we do know so far is that stages do have a purpose. Um, we do have really good data on how much people get in different stages or what the norms are and how that changes over time. Um, I would say we don't know everything about like what happens during the stages, like memory consolidation appears to at first the thought only during REM, but now there's a lot more evidence showing that it actually happens. A lot of it happens in deep sleep as well. Um, it does look like physical, your physical body and some of the muscle repair that, that those things mainly happen in deep sleep. Um, okay. And there tends to be a higher correlation of the amount of deep sleep and sort of how refreshed people feel the next day. Um, you know, light sleep probably has a purpose too. I, I, it doesn't seem like it's gotten as much attention in the research yet. Um, but, um, you know, I do think we know typically how most people stage. Um, so typically in the first half of the night, you tend to have more light and deep sleep. And then the second half of the night, you tend to have more REM sleep. Um, and so there is sort of a sleep architecture, which we know is more common than not. And we have, there, there are studies showing that when people don't have this type of architecture or don't have enough of one stage or, or versus another, they, they end up feeling not well rested and performing you know, poorly on cognitive and physical and, and mental type tasks. Okay, so it's not all about just deep sleep. It's more kind of getting each type of, of stage. 
Correct. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually looks like there's, there's a pretty well-established pattern into how you should stage. Um, yeah. For example, there's certain people who have something called hypersomnia, uh, where they just sort of fall asleep really quickly um, yeah. and, and actually go immediately into deep sleep. Um, so they won't spend a lot of time in light or, you know, or, or REM, uh, but, you know, mainly not a lot of time in light and they'll just go right into deep sleep. And those are the kind of people you might have friends that like you're talking to and they just fall asleep and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then you can't wake them up or can't talk to them. And, and they're in deep sleep, but they, they happen to fall into deep sleep almost too fast, it appears, and they happen to be there for a short amount of time. And so they might only get 15 minutes of deep sleep a night and get it really quickly early on in the night. Um, and from what we can tell from the research, we're not entirely sure why this happens or, or, or frankly even how to fix it yet, but um, you know, that those people end up feeling sort of sluggish a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems that there are still reasons for these patterns um, of, of sleep staging um, and, and sort of, you know, amount in each, in each stage. Um, one thing to note that is more recent um, is that th the brain actually has this, its own sort of lymphatic system, um, how the brain cleans itself of all the toxins and inflammation and plaque that develops during the day when you use it every day. You know, just like sort of muscles when you work out, you know, there's fluids that build up, lactic acid builds up, right, that you have to wash away. The same thing happens with your brain. Um, so I, I guess I'm inflaming my brain right now talking to you. But um, <laughs> you know, we, do, we have figured out that actually the process from how all these toxins are removed um, actually happens during sleep. And so that lymphatic system for the brain has now been classified as the glymphatic system uh, yeah. with a G. Um, so I would say, yeah, uh, there are links between sort of different toxins being removed at different periods. Um, and okay. that's why perhaps we have sleep architecture in the certain phases. Uh, but honestly, yeah, we're, I guess we're not, we don't know everything yet. Uh, as you, we'll, we'll figure it out though. Hopefully. And do we have the ability to sort of hack or do certain things to get into deeper sleep or to get into REM sleep? Do we have that ability? Do we know what we're doing there? Or is that still all a mystery? Um, I, I would say a lot of it is starting to come out now. Uh, frankly, that's yeah. actually why we made the Aura Ring. Um, I think like trying to go to a sleep lab every night is annoying and uh, expensive. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they cost like $2,000 a night if you're paying out and of pocket. I don't think anyone wants to be in that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like it's comfortable. You're in like a hospital bed and you got like 20 wires hooked up to you. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, literally uh, what we know also just like diet and exercise, different things work for different people. Uh, so there is no one size fit all. Um, and you sort of have to experiment and see what works for you and see it reflected in the data. Um, yeah. And that's, that's precisely how people use Oura Ring today. Um, so for example, like we, we had, there was a user who just posted this on social media like the other day or maybe two, three weeks ago now that he cut out his four o'clock cup of coffee and he finally saw his deep sleep improve from like 10 minutes a night to almost like half an hour a night. He, he then also started doing intermittent fasting, but actually finishing his fasting window earlier. Um, you know, finishing at sort of 5, 6 p.m. and falling asleep at 10, 11 p.m. and found that those two things took his deep sleep from 15 minutes to an hour. Um, so I think there, there are hacks and things that people are starting to figure out that, hey, does this work for me? Does this not work for me? Um, you know, and, and we're starting to gather a lot of that data actually or ourselves. We're, we're pretty interested in, in learning what works for different people and eventually being able to tell people how they can improve sleep. So Aura is tracking each different stage as well. It does that for you? Correct. Yeah. So we, we track uh, light, deep, REM, and awake. Um, you know, we also track sort of your, your vitals, like your heart rate, 
um, your heart rate variability overnight, um, which is a sign of, of autonomic nervous system stress, um, your temperature uh, and temperature changes, and, and also your respiratory rate. Awesome. I, I see. I've got one. It's on the, I don't have one yet. Sorry, but it's on yeah, the it's way. On the way. Yeah. Uh, I'm super excited because especially since reading this book too, I've, I've really been diving into my sleep lately and trying to just like get it, you know, optimized as best as possible, but without something to track, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I think it's good, but you know, who really knows, but I'm, I'm starting with like time restricted eating, which I've been doing for a while anyway, but kind of playing with the numbers when I'm eating before bed. Um, and just trying with when I, uh, timing when I, um, when I go to the gym and exercise. Yeah. So I'm really excited to have the O ring to tell me all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can give you an example, like how people use it. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I guess you'd call me an aura veteran. Um, but like, <laughs> You know, it was Thanksgiving, um, you know, in the States at least, right, uh, this, this last Thursday. And, you know, we had some, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend, um, actually his, his brother was over, her brother was over. And so we were like, oh, let's go get a workout in. And we got a workout in pretty late, uh, you know, like three o'clock or four o'clock, which for me is late. I, I typically work out earlier in the day. Um, mm -hmm. And if you looked at my deep sleep that night, um, I'm trying to pull it up right here. Like if you, if you looked at my deep sleep that night, it like, completely got jacked and i was like man like yeah i thought i did most things right and then i look back and i was like you know, for me it's gonna be sort of hard to see but it's like 34 minutes here um and you know like if you look at last night for example right like i actually got like an hour and a half which tends tends for me to be to be my norm and yeah the thing i changed was actually just what time i worked out at um and I, uh, there's a lot i would say you know people sort of start experimenting with different lifestyle choices uh, even just the consistency, what time I fall asleep in bed. Should I go to bed actually at 10 o'clock or should I, you know, burn the midnight oil and go to bed at one o'clock or 1 a.m.? Um, we've seen people sort of experiment with that to find their optimal bedtime window. And that's now a feature we've built into app. Uh, we found people sort of adjust with meal timing and, you know, should their dinners be carb heavy, protein heavy, um, you know, depending or, or just like overall size uh, and, and people messing with the window and, and being able to find out that we've generally found most people who eat earlier tend to sleep better. Um, so yeah, we see a ton of people making different hacks. Um, we had one or two users who got in an argument. I remember I was at like a conference and they were like, ashwagandha for me is like literally like what did it. And I was trying magnesium for years and it didn't do anything. And you know, someone else is like exact opposite for me. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. magnesium, magnesium really helped me. Um, you know, and they use it topically and they, they found a huge response. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, literally what we're trying to do is help people optimize their sleep so they can turn around the next day and optimize their life. Well, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. What do you guys, or what do you find? And I don't know if you guys do your own research with, uh, with the data that you're collecting or what have you seen anyway of sure. sort of the top tips to, uh, to either fall asleep faster, right? And then also to kind of get into a deeper sleep and, and remain asleep throughout the night. What are your sort of uh, sure. best listeners? Yeah, the, the first thing is timing. Um, and I would say it's consistency over everything. It doesn't necessarily have to be early or late. Um, if you think about it, like we said, during sleep, you go through these sleep stages and you happen to have all these hormones that are being released and regulated, right? And so if you change the time every day or every other day or every even weekend, your body is like, well, wait, what? It's like, you know, it's like a clock, like what, like the circadian clock, right? Like what time should I do this? What time should I do that? It helps if you establish a pattern. So I'd say the first thing is really consistency. Like we found from our users and the data that people who are the most consistent tend to get actually the least amount of wake ups, 
right? Um, tend to have, frankly, even lower resting heart rates, uh, tend, to, tend to just get more deep sleep. Um, yeah. So that's definitely something we've seen. Um, so that's probably the first hack. Your mom told it to you and probably, you know, she told you, be your, you know, go to bed every night at 10 o'clock. But, you know, maybe for you it's 12 or maybe for you it's 1 a.m., but, but at least be consistent. Um, I think the second thing we found a lot is actually timing of food um, relative to sleep. I, I do think Sachin Panda has done some great work in this, you know, in, in the book you're reading and some of his other studies. But um, we have found, you know, just users who tend to eat a lot of food late, um, you know, and it may just be the size, um, you know, but if you're eating within, you know, two to three hours of bedtime, even, and, and, and three might sound like far away, that we, we tend to see an impact. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say also an HRV, um, your heart rate variability uh, and resting heart rate, um, not just sleep. Um, I think those are probably like two of the bigger ones. Blue light does tend to be another one, like electronics and sort of being exposed to blue light all the time like we are now. Uh, you know, your brain thinks it's daytime all the time. So the sun doesn't go down in, in, in inside your brain uh, and you don't get that melatonin release um, or as yeah. much of it, right? So I think blue light blocking glasses are like an easy hack that, you know, when the sun starts to go down, just put them on, um, you know, and, you know, luckily now there's so many different companies out there and different styles that we're starting to see ones that make you, you know, not look like a, like, like Cyclops when, when <laughs> yeah, you go yeah. outside. But um, I would say those are probably the, the three biggest hacks that, that we've seen and, and data backed up from our users that, that sort of supports it. Yeah, the, the melatonin aspect of it is huge because that's really what's kind of making you tired, making you want to go to sleep is the production of melatonin, which typically happens as the sun starts to come down. If you're looking at your screens all day or sorry, all night, your phone, your TV, your laptop, your iPad, I don't know what other screens are out there, but we've, we've got them. <laughs> your yeah. Apple Watch, if you have that. I mean, all these are blue light that's tricking your brain into thinking that the sun is still up so you're not producing melatonin and the same goes with eating at night so and this is actually something i learned from uh, sachin panda's book is that you know when you eat at night basically what it does is it stops the production of melatonin because it's revving up your digestive system so exactly. instead of rest it's it's now telling your body that okay i still got to be awake i still need to digest i'm still going to be eating food so he recommends, I think, three to four hours uh, is when you sort of cut it off, stop eating before you're going to go to sleep for maximum yeah. melatonin production. Yeah, I think they've even shown, uh, and I think it was uh, Suchin's work that showed this too, was that um, just eating the same type of food, your, your glucose yeah. response at night uh, versus during the day can be as high as 50% higher. Right. Really? So yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's sort of crazy. It, it, it actually seems like when it's nighttime and your body starts to produce melatonin, then also like um, the beta cells that are produced in the pancreas, right, and the liver to actually help uh, digest some of that or process some of that, that glucose um, are, are actually, uh, you know, almost sedated or, or almost mm -hmm. shut off. And so, um, yeah, it definitely seems like meal timing um, is a huge one. And we've had users tell us like, I just started using blue light blocking glasses and oh my God, my deep sleep went from 15 minutes to 45 yeah. to an hour. And, you know, before I never had a problem going to bed, like I could fall asleep, you know, I would say re most of the time relatively easily. Um, and so I was like, oh, you know, watching TV at night's fine for me, not a big deal. Uh, but I think until you start to realize, like, actually, am I getting the right amount of deep sleep um, or the right sleep, you know, sleep architecture, sleep staging, um, that's when you start to realize like, oh, man, yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm only getting 15 minutes of deep sleep. Maybe let me try blue light blocking glasses. And um, so I think, yeah, luckily, like it. It sleeps one of those things, again, you don't really know what's happening 
yeah. you know, you're literally <laughs> knocked out, right? While you're sleeping, you're, you're not conscious. And so uh, I think it's, it's when people are like, oh, I'm a great sleeper. I'm like, do you, do you really know? Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not really awake. So yeah. uh, having well, some that's... data against it, against it totally helps. Absolutely. Data is, is, is gold. <laughs> data yeah. is absolutely gold. Tracking is the most important thing. And like you said, you can track what you're eating. You can track what you're, you know, what you're doing in the gym, but you're not really tracking what's going on while you're sleeping. Uh, and if you're not wearing blue glasses, I haven't got blue glasses, blue light blocking glasses yet. Uh, but there's a couple easy things that you can do. I mean, the first one is just turn night mode on, on your phone. This is the most simple yeah. thing that I see so many people still aren't doing. Just go to your settings, turn on night mode. It'll start to turn the blue light off your screen as the sun goes down and then it comes back on as the sun comes up. It's perfect. You can do it on your, uh, on your tablets as well. On your computer, I don't think it has that yet. I think the new ones are, but you can download a program called Flux. I don't know if you yeah. use that. Yeah, yeah I've been using it. Wow, I love it. Flux, yeah. yeah it, I, it, I like that one as well. Yeah, it makes your, I mean, your, your screen goes orange, but who cares as long as you're not like, design doing graphic design then it really doesn't matter uh, you can even go as far as turning the blue light down on your on your uh on your tv as well then the other yeah. thing is just dim your lights if you have dimmers you know dim them as the sun goes down or turn off the headlights and just put on like your side lamps and um i actually have a red light in my room that i use so yeah when, when i go to bed and i'm getting ready for bed i just have a red light on so i'm not really getting any blue light from that or at least a small amount yeah. um and then vice so, versa too, during the day, right? Uh, getting sunlight exposure or sunlight exposure yeah. during the day. You know, if you think about this circadian rhythm, like a wave, like, okay, you know, you're riding the down wave, the melatonin starts getting released, but same thing during the up wave, if you want to get some of that energy as well um, in the morning, right? Like get a lot of that light exposure. Um, that, that totally helps as well, you know? So, okay, hey, you know, none of us, I would say, not none of us, uh, but a lot of us now, our routines are such that we wake up, probably look at her phone, jump in the shower, jump in a car, get to work under fluorescent lights the whole time. You know, you're really not outside. And so um, that's not as creatures how, you know, we were sort of how we've evolved. And so even just getting that, you know, 10, 15 of sun, minutes of sunlight in the morning really helps, you know, restart the circadian rhythm. And, and you know, I would say the, the opposite side of the melatonin release. Yeah, that's a good point. Getting up in the morning and just trying to get outside. Although in Canada, where, where I am in Toronto, it's not that easy because it takes a while for it to get light out and it's just yeah. really cold right now. Uh, so at least like, I, you know, I've even seen just go have your coffee by the window. You know what I mean? Like just stand yeah. by the window or sit by the window, at least kind of get some uh, light and then don't wear blue blocking glasses during the day necessarily, or at least do the, I think there's some that aren't orange or red colored that are just like, they block only maybe like 15% of the blue light. Because right. you want blue light during the day, right? Especially if you're in an office all the time, you need some of that to kind of make your body know that it's daytime and you're supposed to be up. And then that's what's going to allow you to then, you know, fall asleep when the, when the sun goes down. So you kind of need a little bit of both depending on the time of the day or when you're going to be sleeping, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that those are some of the, you know, timing of meals, consistency and timing, blue light exposure, right? Yeah. And then I would say some of the other obvious ones, it's, once you get an aura ring, definitely try drinking some nights. I'd be curious to see what your data is and just share it. Like, you know, we've seen people like literally like, like, holy cow, when I have like hard liquor, right. Um, uh, or like a cocktail or, or a nightcap, right. Like, you know, after dinner, like my resting heart rate's 20 beats higher, right. I, I don't get any deep sleep. So I think, um, it, you know, we've seen that sort of be another big thing that impacts sleep. Yeah. You know, what's crazy. I just did an elimination diet. So for six weeks, I didn't have any alcohol at all. And I, I went out with friends the one night, they were all drinking and I didn't, but I got home, you know, about 2am, I think, and went to bed around two. 
And usually I'm in bed by, you know, 10 o'clock up at six. And so it was four hour difference, went to sleep, yeah. woke up and I actually felt kind of hung over in the morning. And I was like, I didn't drink a thing. <laughs> and I was like, that's how powerful sleep is. Just that right there was, you know, just changing my, my rhythm by, I guess it was four hours, might've been a little bit longer. Totally. And I crap in the morning. So that kind of made me realize, okay, this is something that's, you know, really serious. Yeah. I mean, look, you just did the experiment of like, you know, taking your mind, like it just went from Vancouver back to Toronto. Right. Yeah, exactly. uh, and so it's like, we all get a little jet lag the next day. I mean, it's the same thing if you just go out late and you're up four hours later than normal. Mm-hmm. Now to stay in a deep sleep, do you, is there anything that you do with like, or that you'll tell people to do in their bedroom? Should they black out sure. their, you know, black out their room? Should they have, you know, a fan going or noises or what, what, what do you recommend? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think you hit on two of them. Um, you know, you want it to be dark. Um, you know, having it be cool is another big one. So I think a yeah. fan or some type of, you know, noise blocking also helps like white noise. Um, one thing I think we, we, there has been good research on, uh, and we've seen it from our users too, is that, you know, when, when, again, humans sort of evolve sleeping outside, right, the earth actually gets cooler when you sleep, right, um, you know, and so, at, or at night. And so uh, one thing we have seen is actually improved deep sleep with yeah. sort of, you know, cooler temperatures. Um, okay. So I think most, you know, some of the literature out there sort of suggests as cool as 65 degrees Fahrenheit. Sorry, I don't know what that is in, in Celsius. <laughs> So I, I guess not, not, yeah, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to screw up the math on the podcast, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, so I, I do think cooling helps. Um, you know, if you live in a city, like I used to live in New York, uh, for 10 years, I live in San Francisco now, it definitely can be loud. And I, it almost like every time I go back to New York, I'm like, man, is it always this loud at night? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think a fan can totally help as well. Uh, okay. Like that. And then light is, is one of the obvious ones. Um, you know, I think we've seen this with a lot of pro athletes. A lot of them now will travel with sort of duct tape um, or electronic tape and electrical tape and and garbage bags because they'll try to like literally get rid of the LEDs in, in the different rooms that they're traveling okay. in for hotels. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think once you start to make it really black, you'll start to realize even the smallest lights uh, later on. Yeah, so I, I blacked up my room as well and I, and I find I get in better sleep. But the problem was, I, I was, it was difficult to wake up because I, I mean, I had my clock off, everything was off. So I never really knew what was, what time it was when I wake up. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I got, and it was off Amazon for like 20 bucks was it's like a light that uh, it's a sun lamp light. So, you know, mm-hmm. you set your alarm for, let's say 630 starting at six, it slowly starts to increase the light that it's showing. So it's kind of like the sun rising. So yeah. I haven't been up to noise to like an actual alarm in months. I've just been waking up to light and it's, it's been amazing. So I'd highly recommend that too. Yeah, I've I've used the same. Um, I think yeah. I got like same thing, like uh, a light clock off of Amazon. Um, yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, and I agree, it's like a much more peaceful way to wake up, like the sun's yeah. rising. Yeah. So for someone who, because I mean, we talked about the consistency of of going to bed at the same time, and I agree that's super important. The problem is a lot of people who work, you know, shift work or you know, a job where their schedule changes daily. Yeah what kind of advice do you have if they actually can't go to bed at the same time? Man, uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> they just screwed. <laughs> and no, I mean, I was talking to uh, a pilot the other day. He's a FedEx pilot. Yeah. And the stat he gave me was some pretty, pretty alarming. It's something like most pilots tend to have, I think lifespans that are seven to eight years shorter. Um, wow. so it's almost like 10% of your life. Uh, uh, if you think about it, which is, which is pretty scary. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, I mean the you know the World Health Organization, uh, the WHO, has actually now classified shift work as 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 bad as a carcinogen. They've actually classified it as a carcinogen. Um, so you know the same effect as like smoking. Um, mm. So I you know I, I definitely think shift work has a huge impact. Um, I wish I had some practical advice other than to like really think carefully. Is that something you want to do? Um, or, or, you know, if you are going to do it, I mean, try to have like, you know, more, more consistent schedule around it um, yeah. and try to use things like, hey, if you know that you, you work at a bar, right, or a coffee shop that's open up open late, uh, right, maybe try to figure out what's the right time for you to maybe get sunlight exposure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're waking up later, then try to get it really quickly, right? And then same thing when you are trying to wind down, you know, like someone showed me a pair of like hipster glasses that were like yellowish that are yeah. blue light blocking glasses. And it's like, throw those on if you're working at the bar, you know, two hours before close or three hours before close. So you, you get a little bit of wind down time as well. Um, I, I definitely think eating patterns can help. Um, yeah. That happens to a lot of people sort of actually uh, as a hack when they travel. So like trying to fast at certain periods when you travel to, to help sort of readjust. Um, so the same thing, you might want to ex- experiment with like intermittent fasting or time restricted eating around your shift work. Um, mm-hmm. We're trying to collect more data with people that have shift work issues and some of the things that you can do to solve them. But um, I would say we're still pretty early on that process. Yeah. A big thing is just experiment. And I think that's why the aura ring plays such an important yeah. role, right? Because if you're experimenting, but you're not tracking, well, you're not really doing a whole lot. Yeah. If, if you're experimenting and you have the aura ring to give you the data, um, then I think that's going to make a huge difference. So it, it can help and go a long way. Um, now, on the, on the other side of things, there's a lot more the Aura Ring does than just tracking sleep. I know, sure. and one of the things that I'm most excited for with the Aura Ring is the heart rate variability aspect, but to basically tell you, um, you know, when you can actually go in and train hard, when you should sort of dial it back a little bit, can you sort of talk about how the, the Aura Ring can help you with your, with your training and performance? Yeah, I mean, I would say that's, that's probably how a lot of our users that are interested in that aspect um, use yeah. our device today. So yeah, they'll look at the heart rate variability data. Um, we also have something that we've created called a readiness score. Um, and so what a readiness score is, it's, it's sort of like, call it like a, almost like your own baseline, your own sort of two week rolling averages is actually how we calculate it. And there's a bunch of different factors that go into it. But if you think about it, like one poor night of sleep probably isn't gonna affect you that much, but it's that prolonged, like, hey, I got three days in a row, three nights in a row where I got five or six hours that's when you'll start to see your readiness score really tank. Um, okay. And that's because, you know, you've had sort of prolonged sort of sleep debt, right. Or prolonged, you know, high resting heart rate and a high, a low HRV. Um, so I would say, yeah, we, we've had tons of pro athletes starting to use and, and sort of, you know, just recreational athletes use HRV data um, for, for training. So being able to look and see, you know, I saw this in myself, like I haven't been going to the gym consistently. I'm starting to go back again. I did a bunch of sort of, you know, heavy squats, deadlifts in a circuit style. So, and it was like the first time in a while and I did that. And so my HRV got tanked that night, you know, it was like, uh, it, it, and then, but what was really cool is I was able to see some super compensation, super compensation. So two days later, uh, actually my body came back stronger, right. than the baseline and actually my HRV was higher. And so then, all right, it's time for me to go work out again. And and I think the more in shape you get in a different type of intensity workouts, you can start to sort of dial back that how hard do I push and sort of what my recovery and rest days and, you know, sort of light exercise days might, might look like. Mm. Um, we've had a couple, yeah, we've had um, actually another Canadian, uh, Ray Zahab, 
he's an ultra runner. Um, he's now over 50. Um, and he was saying like the only thing he changed in his training regimen was started using the aura ring and listening to what it said, like which days to go hard, which days to go easy. And he's now setting his best time ever, um, you know, on his runs actually as, as someone who's been running for 20 years plus. And mm-hmm. you know, this is a guy who just ran across Namibia, like you know, the, <laughs> the desert in Africa. Um, so, um, you know, we've had him, I think we've had some, we have some other athletes using it. There's, um, I definitely know like two Olympic rowers. Um, you know, we, we have a couple pro football players, a couple pro soccer players in, in a premiership in the UK. Um, and so uh, we're starting to work with some sports teams as well. But yeah, I would say most people are just regular individuals that like going to the gym and want to get the most out of their workout. So they're using the HR data for that. Well, and it makes sense because, I mean, managing stress is so important, whether you're looking to lose weight or you're looking to build muscle or just be a better athlete, whatever it is. I mean, especially in today's world, stress is everything. We're stressed all the time with work, with social media, with, you know, whatever it is. And so, you know, your body will not gain muscle. It will not lose weight when you are chronically stressed. And so, you know, and, and exercise is a stress. So you need to make sure that you're managing it appropriately and working hard when you're ready to. Uh, and when your body is willing to, and then you're kind of going light and taking it easy when, you know, you're overly stressed. And so, you know, that's why I'm so excited to use it because it's a difficult thing to sort of determine just on your own. I mean, you can go by your feeling, but you don't really know what's going on. Can you, uh, just explain what HRV is by the way? for, for Sure. So, uh, heart rate variability, um, it's literally the variability in, in your heartbeats. Um, but what does that mean? Maybe a bit deeper. Um, so like you and I are talking, let's say our heart rates are around 60 beats per minute. Um, you know, that's beats per minute. So every, every second will have a slightly different beat timing. So, you know, one beat might be okay. It actually looks like it's 58 beats per minute. The next beat might actually look like it's 62. Uh, and then minute, you know, we typically average it, um, you know, I guess is the way sort of the medical science has evolved over a per minute average. Um, mm-hmm. but it turns out this, this beat to beat variability or what is called inner beat interval, um, the time between each beat, that, that you actually wanna see some variation. Um, and it turns out actually the more variation, it's a little bit counterintuitive, the more variation there is between each beat and each timing, um, actually the more relaxed you are and, and more sort of, if you think about sympathetic and parasympathetic, your fight or flight response of your nervous system, you know, the more parasympathetic you tend to be um, if your HRV is higher. Um, so the more relaxed or the more ready you are for like a big load or big stress. Right. Um, so, so that's, that's actually, you know, I guess how most people probably try to think about it. Are other devices, I mean, there's a lot of devices that track heart rate and things are other devices tracking HRV, uh, as well. Cause it seems like if you're tracking every second, that's quite a bit of data. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, uh, so I would say, look, this is one of the key things why we made it a ring. Um, I think I started off the podcast sort of saying it, it it turns out that the pulse signal from your finger is about 50 to hundred times stronger than the wrist. Um, and, and most people might think about this simply that, Hey, Oh, I guess that makes sense. Every hospital you, you see a picture of on Gray's anatomy or you go, you know, if you're in one, right. You you know, they're measuring your heart rate from the finger and and there's a reason for that. Um, so I would say a lot of the wrist-based devices, um, because the signal is really weak and it takes a lot of battery to sense the signal, they tend to 
measure your heart rate for maybe 30 seconds at a time and then turn off the sensor for 30 seconds or longer. Um, or, yeah. you know, it could be five seconds on, 30 seconds off. You know, it can vary per device. Um, but the strength of Aurora Ring, I would say from a pure, you know, measurement perspective is that uh, because the signal is so strong, we measure every single beat throughout the whole night. Um, and because of that, our HRV data is actually is, is actually really medical grade. Um, mm -hmm. We did get an abstract published into a medical journal, and we look forward to publishing the full paper. But actually showing our HRV beat by beat is 98% correlated with an EKG, you know, overnight. Um, and so I don't think any wearables actually shown that for beat by beat accuracy. Yeah. Well, and the ease of, you know, having it on your finger rather than your wrist, to me, just seems like it's something you can just, you're never really going to take off, right? Like people wear sure. wedding rings and they wear it for 20 years. I don't know how long, you know, how long they want, but yeah. no one takes it off. So, I mean, for tracking purposes, that makes so much more sense than having it on your wrist, in my opinion. Yeah. And the battery life is, you know, now at like six nights. Um, so, you know, five to six nights, depending on the individual, because everyone's pulse signal is a little bit, you know, isn't isn't some people have weaker pulse signals, some people have stronger and the fitting of the ring can be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I think it, you're right. It just becomes sort of a little bit invisible and, and, you know, you tend not to notice it. So you tend to keep it on, um, yeah. which, which helps a lot. Well, the other thing too is with the, so I had the Apple watch and not to name other brands, <laughs> but sure. yeah. I had the Apple watch, but the problem was I wanted to wear it sleeping because I wanted to sort of track what was going on. Um, it's not as sophisticated, but it does some good stuff. And every time I'd move, it would, the screen would, would turn on. So I'd have light some light. Yeah. I was like, what is this thing doing? This is ridiculous. Or it'd start like vibrating because I have to, because it was like a thing I turned on where you have to breathe every like, you know, an hour or whatever. It would tell me to do that while I'm sleeping. I'm like, what is this thing doing? Yeah. Um, and even the green light, light from the sensors, right? Yeah. From the heart rate sensors, even below the watch too, that can disturb you. So the aura ring has no light or what does it use? Uh, so yeah, no, we do have light. Uh, we have infrared light. Um, so okay, we, nice. you know, we consciously chose infrared light. Um, yeah. Everything from the science actually shows that infrared light is probably helpful to our mm -hmm. health, not, not yeah. harmful. Um, and so, yeah, and you also don't see it, so it doesn't disturb your sleep. Um, so yeah, we specifically chose infrared light um, for, for sensing your heart rate. Cool. Now the, the other question I had, because uh, I actually have uh, a gentleman coming on the podcast, uh, maybe three weeks from now, he wrote the book Radiation Nation. So it's all about EMF. Is there a concern with EMF or have you guys yeah. thought no, about that? Uh, we thought about it a ton. Um, so I think two things. One, we have an airplane mode. So you can actually turn off all the Bluetooth. Um, and that way, you know, you're not really emitting much EMF. Um, okay. Also, the, the other thing to think about is, is just maybe think back a step and think about like general science and physics, like energy is sort of not created or destroyed. And so you're, you're, most people wouldn't know this, but your Apple Watch has something called like a, a battery size of almost like 100 milliamps, right? And the battery life on an Apple Watch is about a day, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. two days. Um, an Aura Ring has a battery size of 15 milliamps, right? So one sixth, let's call it, of your Apple Watch, right? Um, and actually our battery life is five to six days. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so we're, we're actually putting off like less than, or we're using like less than one tenth um, of the power of an Apple watch, right? Almost, almost like one fiftieth. Yeah. Um, and so as a result also, we're, we're the lowest EMF wearable on the market, um, even if you don't have their airplane mode on. Um, so it was something we took, um, you know, we, we did take into account quite a bit. Uh, and again, another reason why we, we actually chose the ring is the form. Yeah. Cool. I love it. I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to get it on. I've been wearing the, uh, the sizing one just pretending. Oh. Like I... 
It's kind of like the odd one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so listen, I have. Is there anything? I want to go back to sleep for a sec, but is there anything sure. that we missed uh, on the sleep side of things that you feel is important for uh, the listeners to know uh, that maybe we just didn't talk about? Yeah, no, look, I think we hit uh, hit a bunch well. I mean, it, it is super important. I think, again, most of it think about it passively. We put it to the back burner. But like you said, um, that, that you know, like I talked about on, on Mike Mutzel's show, but I think actually it, the, the analogy came from a sleep doctor, a sleep researcher, uh, Dr. Matt Walker at Berkeley. Um, yeah. Like if you, if you actually thought about sleep as this magical pill, right, as this pill that could increase testosterone, in, in promote weight loss, right, help, you know, help actually your skin look better, right, actually help prevent cancer, help with your, you know, glucose response and, and even your, your memory and overall productivity, everyone would take that pill. I mean, it would be mm-hmm. the best-selling supplement on earth. Um, yet many of us actually, that, that pill's free and we choose not to take it every night. So I think if you start thinking about sleep like that, about the benefits, um, like it were a pill, like it were a workout, um, you start thinking about it actively instead of passively. I, I think that's probably the most important message. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, you'll see a big change with everything else you do in your life too, whether it's just cognitively, cognitively the way that you feel, whether it's managing stress or, or how you're performing in the gym and, and eating. You know, sleep is, is really the key to, to kind of mastering all of that. Um, so I, I really like that. Make it like it's a, it's a pill and it's, it's what's going to be that, that, you know, extra boost for you. Um, so you got to take the time and, and put in the effort. That's the thing is, is it's another piece of, you know, you, you got to get up and force yourself to go to the gym, which isn't easy for some people, but it's something yeah. you know you can do. Well, you also need to plan accordingly, figure out when you're going to be sleeping, make sure you're getting enough and you're, you're doing the right things to allow yourself to get into sleep. So it's just, it's preparation. Preparation is everything, right? Yeah. I mean, it is like, I like to think about it, like just from the time perspective, we spend a third of our lives sleeping or we should spend a third, right? Make those eight hours count, like do the right things before, like you're going to do it every night, no matter what. And by the way, it's not like, if you don't do it, we know like you'll die, you'll hallucinate, right? Like (laughs) you can't survive without sleep. So, and and that one third of your life directly impacts the other two thirds that you're awake for. So I think if you want to get the most out of life and get the most out of sort of your potential as a human on this earth, whatever your purpose is, whatever your mission is, right? Like uh, optimizing your sleep and getting enough of it's going to help a ton. Mm, yeah, very good point. Okay, so listen, that's all the questions I have here, but I want to talk a little bit more uh, about the Aura Ring. Sure. If someone wants to, I don't know if you want to explain it a little bit further if we missed anything, but also if someone wants to get it, how do they go about, uh, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, uh, we have a website. Uh, it's just AuraRing.com, O-U-R-A-R-I-N-G.com. Uh, we ship to over 100 countries now. Um, so we just, I think, got approvals to finally ship in Russia this week. So sorry for some of those who've been, who've been waiting for that, but, um, uh, we have over a hundred, a hundred countries now that we ship to, including Canada. Um, so, um, yeah, you can also, uh, we, we, you know, we, we did provide, uh, you know, as thank you for hosting us on the podcast, but we also gave, uh, want to give you guys sort of your listeners, your audience, a, a discount. So I think they can use the, the coupon health, health simple 50, um, yep right, to get $50 off their ring. Um, you know, we, we have, we've had more demand than we, than we planned for. So right now there is about an eight week delay on the orders. Um, you know, we did, and we, we did eventually, you know, we did start actually as a pre-order, um, like many sort of startup hardware startups do. And so luckily, you know, now the wait time's not eight months, but it's down to eight weeks and it'll keep getting shorter um, as we get more ramped up. How long have you guys uh, been around for? Um, the company was actually created, I mean, man, as early as 2013. Um, the first okay. Aura Ring 
shipped on Kickstarter in 2015, at the end of 2015. Uh, but really our first gen rings in earnest were, were shipping uh, in 2016. And so, um, you know, I guess the, the first gen has been on the market for a little bit over, you know, two, almost three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we announced the second generation at the end of 2017. And we started shipping in sort of, you know, in volume, I'd say in August and September. Um, this okay. Year. The second gen are really, not, the, the first gen rings were a little bit bigger. They were bigger. Was, yeah. yeah, they were bigger. The second gen are, are just a solid looking ring though. They look nice. They have matte black, silver. Is there gold? Is that the other one? Uh, there was a rose gold. We're, we're actually sold out of that. So we're working yeah. on uh, another Get color more. like it. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we do have also, uh, I would say like a, 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 just a shiny black that, that tends to look pretty sharp. Um, that's the one I, I wear most of the time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So I'll put the, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes uh, and the code again is health simple 50. So that's five zero, the numbers. Um, and that'll get you $50 off. It's the perfect Christmas gift, I think. For- yeah anyone who's interested in, in health or wellness. Um, but, uh, Harpreet, thank you so much for, for joining us here. Um, you know, I was super excited to, to talk sleep. I think this is a, a very, very important conversation and something that needs, you know, to get in the ears of, of the listeners. So I appreciate you coming on here and doing that. And then also giving a little discount to, uh, to the health simple community. Sure. Yeah. Look, Kyle, thanks a ton for having us. And frankly, uh, even bigger picture, you know, thanks for doing what you do. Um, I think the information that you provide through your podcast and through, you know, social media, um, right. It's, it's helping spread knowledge to people and people can then sort of figure out what works for them, what doesn't and helps people to improve their lives. So, you know, really appreciate you and everything that you've done with health simple and, and, you know, um, just be glad to be, you know, on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And for the listeners too, when I, when I get this aura ring, I'm going to be, you know, sharing everything that I do with it. So uh, check me out on Instagram because I'm going to have, you know, stories of, of my sleep and my HRV and, and kind of everything that I learn about it. Uh, I'm going to be talking about it on there too so that you guys can kind of, uh, you know, learn everything you need as well. So don't forget to, uh, to follow us at healthsimple underscore. Check that out. But Again, Harpreet, thank you very much. You have uh, a wonderful day and go Wolverines. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's a wrap. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to check out our new ebook, So You Want to Eat Healthy. You can find it at the link healthsimpleinfo.com slash eat dash healthy or in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this episode or have any comments or questions, feel free to leave us a review or hit us up on Instagram. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Have a great day.